Welcome, folks, to Podcast Today for May 21st, 2016. My name is Gary Kinney, and today is Brother Ed's birthday. My brother, Ed. He's 30. 30 years of age. I was spry 23 for another two weeks. But Ed, who has been mentioned on the weekend show a number of times, and has, I think, I've probably mentioned him at some stage on Podcast Today, he turned 30. And in spite of him not liking X-Men, Apocalypse, he didn't love it. But you know, put the strain on our relationship. Happy birthday, Ed. Love you. Speaking of X-Men! On the topic of, that's what we're talking about today, X-Men The Last Stand, the third X-Men film, the sequel to X2. This one, however, is not directed by Brian Singer. He, he sat this one out in favor of directing Superman Returns, film I've seen and I don't remember. I know Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor, so I assume I should like that, but I don't know. Who knows? And I like Brian Singer, or at least the superhero films, because I've never seen a Brian Singer non-X-Men film. So there you go. I have no idea whether I like it then. And Superman films are tough to do. Superman's a d- difficult character to make interesting in the 21st century. But today, X-Men The Last Stand, Brett Ratner stepped in to to much, much more mixed results than the first two films. It's not a bad film. It's not like this terrible, irredeemably bad, awful film. It has serious problems. But there are a few things I want to mention first. I meant to mention this a couple episodes ago on probably the first X-Men film, but on the Fox logo, the 21st century Fox sting that, uh, that's before every film, the, the, the X lingers. And they've, they've added a little sound cue as well in the, the more recent films, but the X just hangs there, stays on the screen just a split second longer. Nice little touch. Also, this film doesn't have the theme song, which just disappoints me, because X-Men 2 introduced the theme song, and then for some reason they're like, no, I'm not going to use that cool theme song, I'm going to use a different one. John Powell did the music for this film rather than John Oldman. And I like John Powell's work on How to Train Your Dragon. That is a brilliant soundtrack. He didn't use the X-Men theme. You know, based on my discussion of um, The Avengers 2, I talked about that yesterday, if you have a good theme song and you don't use the good theme song, that's a negative in my book. The big problem with The Last Stand is kind of it tries to do too much and it doesn't do any of it particularly well. There's two key strains. There's two key plot lines. There's the idea that there has been a cure for the mutant gene created. And speaking of genes, Jean Grey has transformed into the Phoenix. Those are the two things happening in this film. Realistically, they shouldn't both be happening in the same film at once. It should either be the idea that there is a mutant cure and that causes a great deal of consternation within the mutant community, or that there is this evil, super powerful class 5 mutant. For some reason, there's classes introduced in this film, which I don't remember them being mentioned in the first two films, that, oh, the Magneto is a class 4 and Jean Grey is the only class 5 mutant. Who's come up with this scale? Who has invented the mutant class scale? And why are you throwing out in a film without any context? Other than it's like, oh, she's dangerous. She rips people to shreds. Of course she's dangerous. You don't need to tell if she's dangerous. She, she freaking vaporized Cyclops, so, you know, I kind of believe she's dangerous. She also vaporizes Professor X. So, you don't have to come up with stupid, wacky labels for people. Show, don't tell. Speaking of Professor X and Cyclops, key problem number one, too much going on for a one hour, 40-odd runtime. Key problem number two, they kill off too many of the X-Men. It's like, in the first 10 minutes, they just... Rip Scott Summers to shreds. Cyclops, gone. Neither the X-Men, gone. It's just gone. Then an hour later, they rip Professor X to shreds. Again, super leader of the X-Men. Like, he's the head of the X-Men, where Cyclops is kind of the on-the-ground leader. Rip to shreds. Though they reveal in the post credit scene that he's transferred his spirit to a different body at the end. Cop out. If you're gonna kill him, kill him. Because that's actually one of the few scenes in the film that, like, really works. There's two scenes in this film that really work, and they're both related to the... Dark Phoenix saga, if you will. There is the scene where she rips Professor X to shreds and she 
basically she's just kind of sits standing there and Professor X is standing opposite her and he's slowly torn to shreds and he's afraid but also kind of calm and trying to make sure that Jean doesn't lose herself even though what she's doing is a great act of violence but then she still rips him to shreds. That scene really works because one sells her super duper powers and two it's it's one of the few scenes in this film that is grounded in character that the relationship between Jean Grey and Professor X there's a lot of mindless action I'm not I'm, I don't have an innate problem with mindless action but it was more kind of along the lines of style than substance it's bigger and louder but that's not necessarily better none of the fight scenes particularly land in a memorable way like even during that scene where Professor X is being ripped to shreds you have a fight scene going on with like Wolverine and and oh god Vinnie Jones's juggernaut he's the juggernaut bitch that's another thing tone why is that character there why I, I, it's not even funny it's just wacky but not good wacky i don't mind Vinnie jones if you ever seen gallivant which is a tremendous comedy and he's in that and he's really really good in it he's kind of sending up his tough man act in a way that's hilarious but nah of course most of this film was undone in days of future past brian singer was just like nope nope rewrite that's what you can do with time travel because all the characters that were killed were brought back to life and all the plots that were established were, were abandoned which means the current X-Men films are following a different timeline which is interesting because the X-Men timeline is weird because X-Men Origins Wolverine isn't really in the timeline because no one really liked that and uh, The Last Stand has been officially retconned because no one really liked that so the X-Men timeline is basically the ones that people actually liked are canon the rest not so much Magneto I really like Magneto as a character and like he, he does have some really good lines in this film like for example his they they wish the cures but we are the cure line especially when delivered by ian mckellen fantastic but he doesn't need to be in this film i like I, I love magneto as a character but this should be a gene gray story not magneto trying to kill people because they have a mutant cure and lifting bridges and throwing trucks in the air he just doesn't need to be there not, not at least not in the capacity that he is at least not in kind of a lead role capacity and the x-men team is super weak like nightcrawler was really good in X-Men 2. Alan Cumming uh, had some really fun action scenes, he really added to the X-Men team, and he's nowhere to be seen in this. They introduced Ellen Page's Kitty Pride. I think, as I said yesterday, Kitty Pride had a role in the previous film, but not a major one, Shadowcat, where they drive home a love triangle between herself, Iceman, and Rogue. And God knows we, we need more X-Men love triangles. I suppose they killed uh, Cyclops, so they couldn't do the old Jean Grey Wolverine Cyclops love triangle because Cyclops was super dead. So they're, they're, they're like, just, here's another one. You love love triangles, don't you? There's some good callbacks though, whereas Magneto was always deriding humans and their guns and they, they try to, he tries to take them off them this time, but they have plastic guns. It's like, suck it, Magneto. Then he kind of kills them all anyway. Oh well. Also, Wolverine tries to run at them again in Magneto, because Wolverine is officially Magneto's bitch. There's literally nothing Wolverine can do to Magneto. So Wolverine starts running at him, and Magneto's like, ha 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 ha, Magneto! But then Beast stabs him with the mutant cure thing. That shouldn't really be in this film, this should be just about Jean Grey. The particular problem in that final scene, the final big climactic battle at Alcatraz, is Jean Grey is just standing there the whole time. She's supposed to be the lead character of this film, the lead story is the Dark Phoenix thing, and then she, once everyone's kind of calmed down, she's just like, now I'm going to start wrecking the place and now Wolverine has to kill me. That scene also does land. I said the two scenes that land in this film both involve Jean Grey. The Professor X scene where he dies and the scene where Wolverine has to kill Jean Grey. Both those scenes actually work despite a lot of other problems in this film. It's a watchable film. It's not terrible. It's just it's 
it has some decent ideas. It tries to do too much for how much runtime it had and how many ideas it actually had. And it rushes everything into an hour 40 and everything steams by without, like Cyclops, Cyclops dies and he's barely mourned. It's just like, oh no, he's dead. Move on. Wolverine starts trying to bang Jean Grey instead because he's a nice guy. It's not terrible. I can understand why people don't like it because it doesn't do anything that it tries to set out to do well, but it does try and it does some things well. Occasionally, like the scene where Magneto lifts a bridge is pretty badass, even though he shouldn't be in the film as much as he is, or at least in the capacity that he is. They do have their problem that the Phoenix, or the Dark Phoenix, if she is the most powerful human on Earth, she's the most powerful force in the universe, so how do you have mutants oppose her? The answer to that is not to just have her standing there looking brooding. That is not the answer to that problem. There are other answers you could come up with, especially if the X-Men had to team up, though there's not that many X-Men left, like Colossus. Who wants to see Colossus? It's like, oh, I'm big and metal. I don't mind Ellen Page's Shadowcat. Actually, Beast gets some some screen time. I know Beast gets a lot of screen time in the prequel trilogy, but uh, he doesn't get much here. But in this, the first three, so I'm, I'm happy to see him. I'm happy to see Kelsey Grammer's Beast. He gets some gags in there as well, which is nice. None of the gags are particularly funny, but yeah, take what you can get. That's my thoughts on X-Men The Last Stand. Mediocre, not the worst, has some good ideas, doesn't really execute many of them particularly well. It's the moral of the, the story for The Last Stand. Tomorrow we will be moving on to another film that has been abandoned from the X-Men lore, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Thanks for listening. Today is the 21st of May. It is Ed's birthday. Happy birthday, Ed. Again, love you. And bye-bye. The love you is directed at Ed, not the rest of you. But the rest of you, yeah, I love you too. Bye-bye.